chapter seven of the garys and their friends by frank webb this librivox recording is in the public domain chapter seven mrs thomas has her troubles mrs thomas was affected as silly women sometimes are with an intense desire to be at the head of the tongue for this object she gave grand dinners and large evening parties to which were invited all who being two or three removes from the class whose members occupied the cobbler's bench or the huckster's stall felt themselves at liberty to look down upon the rest of the world from the pinnacle on which they imagined themselves placed at these social gatherings the conversation never turned upon pedigree and if any of the guests chanced by accident to allude to their ancestors they spoke of them as members of the family who at an early period of their lives were engaged in mercantile pursuits at such dinners mrs thomas would sit for hours mumbling dishes that disagreed with her smiling at conversations carried on in villainous french of which language she did not understand a word and admiring the manners of addle-headed young men who got tipsy at her evening parties because they had been to europe and were therefore considered quite men of the world these parties and dinners she could not be induced to forego although the late hours and fatigue consequent thereon would place her on the sick list for several days afterwards as soon however as she recovered sufficiently to resume her place at the table she would console herself with a dinner of boiled mutton and roasted turnips as a slight compensation for the unwholesome french dishes she had compelled herself to swallow on the occasions before mentioned amongst the other modern fashions she had adopted was that of setting apart one morning of the week for the reception of visitors and she had mortally offended several of her oldest friends by obstinately refusing to admit them at any other time two or three difficulties had occurred with roberts in consequence of this new arrangement as he could not be brought to see the propriety of saying to visitors that mrs thomas was not at home when he knew she was that very moment upstairs peeping over the banisters his obstinacy on this point had induced her to try whether she could not train charlie so as to fit him for the important office of uttering the fashionable and truthless not at home with unhesitating gravity and decorum and after a series of mishaps she at last believed her object was effected until an unlucky occurrence convinced her to the contrary mrs thomas during the days on which she did not receive company would have presented to any one who might have had the honour to see that venerable lady an entirely different appearance to that which 
she assumed on gala days a white handkerchief supplied the place of the curling wig and the tasty french cap was replaced by a muslin one decorated with an immense border of ruffling that flapped up and down over her silver spectacles in the most comical manner possible a short flannel gown and a dimity petticoat of very antique pattern and scanty dimensions completed her costume thus attired and provided with a duster she would make unexpected sallies into the various domestic departments to see that everything was being properly conducted and that no malpractices were perpetrated at times when it was supposed she was elsewhere she showed an intuitive knowledge of all traps set to give intimation of her approach and would come upon aunt rachel so stealthily as to induce her to declare dat old mrs thomas put her more in mind of a ghost dan of any other libin animal one morning whilst attired in the manner described mrs thomas had been particularly active in her excursions through the house and had driven the servants to their wits ends by her frequent descents upon them at the most unexpected times thereby effectually depriving them of the short breathing intervals they were anxious to enjoy charlie in particular had been greatly harassed by her and was sent flying from place to place until his legs were nearly run off as he expressed it and so when lord cut and run who was travelling in america to give his estates in england an opportunity to recuperate presented his card charlie in revenge showed him into the drawing-room where he knew that mrs thomas was busily engaged trimming an oil-lamp relying on the explicit order she had given to say that she was not at home she did not even look up when his lordship entered and as he advanced towards her she extended to him a basin of dirty water saying here take this receiving no response she looked up into her astonishment and horror beheld not charlie but lord cut and run in the agitation consequent upon his unexpected appearance she dropped the basin the contents of which splashing in all directions sadly discoloured his lordship's light pants and greatly damaged the elegant carpet oh my lord she exclaimed i didn't couldn't wouldn't and unable to ejaculate further she fairly ran out of the apartment into the entry where she nearly fell over charlie who was enjoying the confusion his conduct created oh you limb you little wretch said she you knew i was not at home why where are you now he asked with the most disarming air of innocence if you ain't in the house you never was never mind sir said she never mind i'll settle with you over this don't stand there grinning at me go up and tell mrs morton to come down immediately and get something to wipe up that water oh dear my beautiful carpet 
and for a lord to see me in such a plight it's abominable i'll give it to you you scamp you did it on purpose continued the indignant mrs thomas don't deny it i know you did what are you standing there for why don't you call mrs morton she continued as charlie chuckling over the result of his trick went leisurely upstairs that boy will be the death of me she afterwards said on relating the occurrence to her daughter just to think after all the trouble i've had telling him when to admit people and when not that he should serve me such a trick i'm confident he did it purposely alas for poor mrs thomas this was only the first of a series of annoyances that charlie had in store with which to test her patience and effect his own deliverance two days after one of their grand dinners was to take place and charlie had been revolving in his mind the possibility of his finding some opportunity on that occasion to entangle the old lady's wig feeling confident that could he accomplish that feat he would be permitted to turn his back forever on the mansion of mrs thomas never had mrs thomas appeared more radiant that at dinner all the guests whose attendance she had most hoped were present a new set of china had lately arrived from paris and she was in full anticipation of a grand show now to charlie had been assigned the important task of removing the cover from the soup tureen which was set before his mistress and the little rogue had settled that moment as the most favourable for the execution of his purpose he therefore secretly affixed a nicely crooked hook in the elbow of his sleeve and as he lifted the cover he carefully hooked it into her cap to which he knew the wig was fastened and in a twinkling had it off her head and before she could recover from her astonishment and lay down the soup ladle he had left the room the guests stared and tittered at the grotesque figure she presented her head being covered with short white hair and her face as red as a peony at the mortifying situation in which she was placed as she rose from her chair charlie presented himself and handed her the wig with an apology for the accident in her haste to put it on she turned it wrong side foremost the laughter of the guests could now no longer be restrained and in the midst of it mrs thomas left the room encountering charlie as she went she almost demolished him in her wrath not ceasing to belabour him till his outcries became so loud as to render her fearful that he would alarm the guests and she then retired to her room where she remained until the party broke up it was her custom after these grand entertainments to make nocturnal surveys of the kitchen to assure herself that none of the delicacies had been secreted by the servants for their personal use and refreshment charlie aware of this took his measures for an ample revenge for the beating he had received at her hands at night when all the rest of the family had retired he hastily descended to the kitchen and by some process known only to himself imprisoned the cat in a stone jar that always stood upon the dresser and into which he was confident mrs thomas would peep he then stationed himself upon the stairs to watch the result he had not long to wait for as soon as she thought the servants were asleep she came softly into the kitchen and after peering about in various places she at last lifted up the lid of the jar tom tired of his long confinement sprang out and in so doing knocked the lamp out of her hand 
the fluid from which ignited and ran over the floor murder fire watch screamed the thoroughly frightened old woman oh help help fire at this terrible noise nearly every one in the household was aroused and hurried to the spot whence it proceeded they found mrs thomas standing in the dark with the lid of the jar in her hand herself the personification of terror the carpet was badly burned in several places and the fragments of the lamp were scattered about the floor what has happened exclaimed mr morton who was the first to enter the kitchen what is all this frightful noise occasioned by oh there is a man in the house answered mrs thomas her teeth chattering with fright there was a man in here he has just sprung out she continued pointing to the bread jar pooh pooh that's nonsense madam replied the son-in-law why an infant could not get in there much less a man i tell you it was a man then angrily responded mrs thomas and he is in the house somewhere now such absurdity muttered mr morton adding in a louder tone why my dear mamma you've seen a mouse or something of the kind mouse indeed interrupted the old lady do you think i'm in my dotage and i don't know a man from a mouse just then the cat whose back had got severely singed in the melee set up a most lamentable caterwauling and on being brought to light from the depths of a closet into which he had flown his appearance immediately discovered the share he had had in the transaction it must have been the cat said roberts only look at his back why here the fur is singed off him i'll bet anything continued he that air boy has had something to do with this for it's a clear case that the cat couldn't get into the jar and then put the lid on himself tom's inability to accomplish this feat being most readily admitted on all sides inquiry was immediately made as to the whereabouts of charlie his absence from the scene being rather considered as evidence of participation for it was argued if he had been unaware of what was to transpire the noise would have drawn him to the spot at once as he was always the first at hand in the event of any excitement roberts was dispatched to see if he was in his bed and returned with the intelligence that the bed had not even been opened search was immediately instituted and he was discovered in the closet at the foot of the stairs he was dragged forth shaken pummeled and sent to bed with the assurance that his mother should be sent for in the morning to take him home and keep him there this being exactly the point to which he was desirous of bringing matters he went to bed and passed a most agreeable night aunt rachel being one of those sleepers that nothing short of an earthquake can rouse until their customary time for awaking had slept soundly through the stirring events of the past night she came down in the morning in quite a placid state of mind expecting to enjoy a day of rest as she had the night before sat up much beyond her usual time to set matters to rights after the confusion consequent on the dinner-party what was her astonishment therefore on finding the kitchen she had left in a state of perfect order and cleanliness in a condition that resembled the preparation for an annual house-cleaning lord bless us she exclaimed looking round what on yarth has happened i rarely believe dare's been a fire in dis here house and i never knowed a word of it why i might have been burnt up in my own bed dare's de lamp broke carpet burnt pots and skillets hauled out of the closet everything turned upside down why dare's been a regular sturbance down here 
she continued as she surveyed the apartment at this juncture she espied tom who sat licking his paws before the fire and presenting so altered an appearance from the events of the night as to have rendered him unrecognizable even by his best friend strange cat in the house making himself quite at home at that said aunt rachel indignantly her wrath already much excited rose to the boiling point at what she deemed a most daring invasion of her domain she therefore without ceremony raised a broom with which she belaboured the astonished tom who ran frantically from under one chair to another till he ensconced himself in a small closet from which he pertinaciously refused to be dislodged won't come out o dare won't you said she i'll see if i can't make you den and poor tom dodged behind pots and kettles to avoid the blows which were aimed at him at last thoroughly enraged by a hard knock on the back he sprang fiercely in the face of his tormentor who completely upset by the suddenness of his attack fell sprawling on the floor screaming loudly for help she was raised up by roberts who came running to her assistance and on being questioned as to the cause of her outcries replied there's a strange cat in the house wild cat too i rally believe and spying tom at that moment beneath the table she made another dash at him for a renewal of hostilities why that's tom exclaimed roberts don't you know your own cat oh she replied dat ar isn't tom now is it why what's the matter with him roberts then gave her a detailed account of the transactions of the previous night in which account the share charlie had taken was greatly enlarged and embellished and the wrathful old woman was listening to the conclusion when charlie entered hardly had he got into the room when without any preliminary discussion aunt rachel to use her own words pitched into him to give him particular fits now charlie not being disposed to receive particular fits made some efforts to return the hard compliments that were being showered upon him and the advice of kinch providentially occurring to him respecting an attack upon the understanding of his venerable antagonist he brought his hard shoes down with great force upon her pet corn and by this coup de pied completely demolished her with a loud scream she let him go and sitting down upon the floor declared herself lame for life beyond the possibility of recovery at this stage of the proceedings roberts came to the rescue of his aged coadjutor and seized hold of charlie who forthwith commenced so brusque an attack upon his rheumatic shins as to cause him to beat a hurried retreat leaving charlie sole master of the field the noise that these scuffles occasioned brought mrs thomas into the kitchen and charlie was marched off by her into an upstairs room where he was kept in durance vile until the arrival of his mother mrs thomas had a strong liking for charlie not as a boy but as a footman he was active and intelligent and until quite recently extremely tractable and obedient more than all he was a very good-looking boy and when dressed in the thomas livery presented a highly respectable appearance she therefore determined to be magnanimous to look over past events and to show a christian and forgiving spirit towards his delinquencies she sent for mrs ellis with the intention of desiring her to use her maternal influence to induce him to apologize to aunt rachel for his assault upon her corns which apology mrs thomas was willing to guarantee should be accepted as for the indignities that had been inflicted on herself she thought it most politic to regard them in the light of accidents and to say as little about that part of the affair as possible 
when mrs ellis made her appearance on the day subsequent to the events just narrated mrs thomas enlarged to her upon the serious damage that aunt rachel had received and the urgent necessity that something should be done to mollify that important individual when charlie was brought into the presence of his mother and mrs thomas the latter informed him that wicked as had been his conduct towards herself she was willing for his mother's sake to look over it but that he must humble himself in dust and ashes before the reigning sovereign of the culinary kingdom who making the most of the injury inflicted on her toe had declared herself unfit for service and was at that moment ensconced in a large easy chair listening to the music of her favourite smoke-jack whilst the temporary cook was getting up the dinner under her immediate supervision and direction charlie i am quite ashamed of you said his mother after listening to mrs thomas's lengthy statement what has come over you child charlie stood biting his nails and looking very sullen but vouchsafed them no answer mrs thomas is so kind as to forgive you and says she will look over the whole affair if you will beg aunt rachel's pardon come now continued mrs ellis coaxingly do that's a good boy yes do added mrs thomas and i will buy you a handsome new suit of livery this was too much for charlie the promise of another suit of the detested livery quite overcame him and he burst into tears why what ails the boy he's the most incomprehensible child i ever saw the idea of crying at the promise of a new suit of clothes any other child would have been delighted concluded mrs thomas i don't want your old but covered uniform said charlie and i won't wear it neither and as for aunt rachel i don't care how much she is hurt i'm only sorry i didn't smash her other toe and i'll see her skinned and be skinned myself before i'll ask her pardon both mrs thomas and charlie's mother stood aghast at this unexpected declaration and the result of a long conference held by the two was that charlie should be taken home mrs ellis being unable to withstand his tears and entreaties as he passed through the kitchen on his way out he made a face at aunt rachel who in return threw at him one of the turnips she was peeling it missed the object for which it was intended and came plump into the eye of roberts giving to that respectable individual for some time thereafter the appearance of a prize-fighter in livery charlie started for home in the highest spirits which however became considerably lower on his discovering his mother's view of his late exploits was very different from his own mrs ellis's fondness and admiration of her son although almost amounting to weakness were yet insufficient to prevent her from feeling that his conduct even after making due allowance for the provocation he had received could not be wholly excused as mere boyish impetuosity and love of mischievous fun she knew that his father would feel it his duty not only to reprimand him but to inflict some chastisement and this thought was the more painful to her from the consciousness that but for her own weak compliance with mrs thomas's request her boy would not have been placed in circumstances which his judgment and self-command had proved insufficient to carry him through the day therefore passed less agreeably than charlie had anticipated for now that he was removed from the scene of his trials he could not disguise from himself that his behaviour under them had been very different from what it ought to have been and this had the salutary effect of bringing him into a somewhat humbler frame of mind when his father returned in the evening therefore charlie appeared so crestfallen that even caddy could scarcely help commiserating him especially as his subdued state during the day had kept him from committing any of those offences against tidiness which so frequently exasperated her mr ellis though very strict on what he thought points of duty 
had much command of temper and was an affectionate father he listened therefore with attention to the details of charlie's grievances as well as of his misdemeanors and some credit is due to him for the unshaken gravity he preserved throughout although he secretly acquitted his son of any really bad intention he thought it incumbent on him to make charlie feel in some degree the evil consequences of his unruly behaviour after giving him a serious lecture and pointing out the impropriety of taking such measures to deliver himself from the bondage in which his parents themselves had thought fit to place him without even appealing to them he insisted on his making the apologies due both to mrs thomas and aunt rachel although he was fully aware that both had only got their deserts and further intimated that he would not be reinstated in his parents good graces until he had proved by his good conduct and docility that he was really sorry for his misbehaviour it was a severe trial to charlie to make these apologies but he well knew that what his father had decided upon must be done so he made a virtue of necessity and accompanied by his mother on the following day performed his penance with as good a grace as he was able and in consideration of this submission his father when he came home in the evening greeted him with all his usual kindness and the recollection of this unlucky affair was at once banished from the family circle End of chapter 7